Frankie, I'm mate, we're back. The first week of Feb. Are yes. you doing, you're doing Feb fast or something by the looks of it? You're looking pretty no, trim, no, mate. You're very this, fit. If straight out of F45 this morning here, mate. And, yeah. Uh, rush to the office. You're ready you, to go. What, what time do you do F45? Mate, you know, the, the early class, 9.30. <laughs> the 9.30 class with all of the uh, all the mums. That's it. <laughs> Frankie, mate, uh, in, inflation numbers last week. This week, we're going to be covering off uh, December, the December quarter's growth, uh, where the median house prices are sitting for the capital cities. And, and you know, the median house price for Sydney now is, is the, the, the lowest it's been for a little while, which is positive for some buyers. Yeah. Um, and a few other bits and bobs. We'll open up with our deal of the week, mate. We'll close up with our investor tip of the week. And, uh, and mate, next week, we've got the, uh, the interest rate, the first interest rate announcement for 2023. Yeah, so, next Tuesday. So that'll be uh, interesting. Or, or but guaranteed a, a uh, increase. Mate, you got to uh, switch your phone to silent, please, mate. You're, you're in <laughs> a meeting. <laughs> so, yeah, it all depends, uh, I suppose, whether it's going to be a 0.25% or a 0.5% increase. Um, there's some calls for that. So that uh, we'll uh, no doubt talk about that next week. 100%, mate. So uh, the, the deal of the week for us over the past seven days... Um, mate, we, we've actually been buying quite a bit of property at the start of uh, at the start of 2023, um, and the deal that comes to mind at the start of at the start of this year is a, uh, a development project that we we purchased last week. Uh, we went unconditional on last week, and essentially, uh, what what we're seeing now is a lot of mum and dad developers or mum and dad investors who have bought potential development opportunities. Okay. They've gone through, they've gotten their DAs, they're very excited. They then put that DA out to quote yes. and uh, then they get the quotes back and go, holy shit, this is more expensive than what we thought it was. Yeah. We're going to have to put in a lot more cash. So this doesn't look as exciting anymore. And they're now looking to offload those projects. So they're looking to offload it with the DA already in place. Exactly. Architect approved plans. Exactly right. And, okay. and, yeah, I've seen a few of those. And the big thing with 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 DA approved sites is usually you are paying more, right? Yes, You're paying more for DA approved sites. Someone's done the work, someone's put the cost in. Exactly. But they also have have, have gotten rid of all of the uncertainty, right? Because when mm. you buy a site, there isn't a guarantee that you will get a DA. There isn't a guarantee on time frames either. These things can take a long time and time is money because you've got holding costs of the asset. Um, and sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't have tenants in the property. So it really depends. So we, we, we actually bought this directly off a homeowner. Okay. Uh, we met this lady at a, uh, a networking event and she'd gone through, got the DA. Her plan was to knock her existing house over, build the, 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 the duplex, live in one side and rent out the other. Of course. Naturally built it, uh, got the DA approved and, and it was a bit expensive. So we obviously, uh, we, we ran our numbers on the site and, uh, had an understanding of what our build costs would be and, and, and how long it would take to, to, to get the project underway and completed. Um, and we ended up buying that, that project off this, uh, off this lady with a delayed settlement of six months. Um, and what, what that will enable us to do in that six months is we'll have no holding costs. We release the deposit to the vendor, which means she can use the money from our deposit to then go and buy her next, her next property. Yep. And she has time to do that with the six month settlement. Um, we, she has allowed us to go to council and, and submit a section 455, which allows us to alter the existing DA because okay, yeah. the DA that was approved looked a little bit like a spec duplex and in sure. the location that we're buying or we've purchased it in, 
it's a premium area. Okay. So we need to make sure that the product that we deliver is also a premium product. So we've kept everything else the same, the floor plans, um, uh, the, the obviously the rear alfresco and the size, but we're just going to alter the, the, the facades at the front to make them yeah. look more premium. We'll, we'll do all of that during the time where we've got no holding costs. Um, we'll get a construction certificate during that time as well, which means as soon as we settle, we can put the shovel in the ground from day one and, and start constructing. We'll also settle into a construction loan as well where we'll capitalize the interest so we'll have no uh, cash flow contributions that we'll have to submit. Um, and we bought that 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 project at, at what we believe to be a 25 to 30% net margin on completion. So make um, very, very strong deal. And the reason that come together is because of the lack of confidence in the marketplace. You know, mm. people are not confident around how much things are going to cost to build. People are not confident around what the, the finished products are going to be worth. Yeah. And uh, uncertainty, as we know, d- delivers opportunity. So, yeah. And, and I, I like the fact that, you know, for, for, for people out there, you can buy, you know, a property that's already got DA approved plans for a duplex or just a brand new house or whatever, you know, could be townhouses even. And, you know, if you're not 100% happy with the, the DA or the architect approved plan or plans, you can, you know, submit that form and, and alter them to your specific needs or wants, which is really good. I think you can still add, uh, you know, your bit of flair or touch to how you, you know, want that property to look. Exactly. And, and, and it takes away the huge amount of time that goes into that. Because if you're just altering the existing DA, it's usually a much more straightforward process as opposed to going to council with a brand new DA and oh, going, course, yes. approve this for me. So, mate, that's the deal of the week. That Very was good. a sub $1.5 million purchase for okay. the site. So And the area? Uh, the area was in Newcastle, was in Merriweather, which yeah, as we premium. know is like the premium suburb of, of Merriweather. Uh, was it the, on the back side of Merriweather, which allows us to be able to purchase things a little bit cheaper. That same mm. site, a few streets over, um, you're looking at two and a half million for the site. Yeah. So it's a uh, very, very, very strong buy. Very good. Uh, Frankie, onto the numbers, my yeah, good so friend. Yeah, so we've got some, uh, so this is for the, the month of December, not, not the quarter. Um, and we've got the, the growth rates for the month of, of December. And I'll just, you know, for time purposes, just go through the, the three main capital cities, you know, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. Um, look, you know, um, the, the growth, as we call it, is still in decline. So negative growth, as they say, a bit of a weird word, I know. Uh, but Sydney was down 1.2% for the month. Melbourne was down 1.1% and Brisbane was down 1.4%. Um, now, it's interesting that these growth rates, although they are, you know, in the low 1%, uh, they are slowing. Um, and, you know, it's only a matter of time before, you know, those growth rates, I suppose, get turned from negative to maybe a hovering around the zero and then hopefully, you know, positive 1% mm. to 2 to 3%. You know, so although you can't pick the bottom, nobody has a, has a crystal uh, ball, it's quite clear that the growth has been slowing over the last several months and that we are close to turning the corner. Um, on an annual basis, if we look at those annualized figures, you know, Sydney has dropped 13.8%. Um, and it's quite interesting. People said, oh, Sydney's going to drop 20 to 30%. Well, it's only dropped 138 And coming off a 30 to 40% growth rate uh, boom, um, you know, look at the net figures. Don't worry about the individual growth figures and the individual declining figures. Look at the net. Exactly. Um, you know. And that's also off the median as well, right? The That's right, yes. You know, I know for, for, for a property that we own personally, I'm sitting in it right now, like we bought this property in... I would arguably say the peak of the marketplace, mm. which was November of uh, 20, what was last year? 22, 21, 22, yeah, yeah, yeah. November, 2021 and settled on it in February or Feb, yes, start of Feb last year. So 12 months ago, um, settled at a $6 million purchase price, 
had that property then revalued and uh, refinanced the property in September of last year at a $6.5 million uh, revaluation. So mm. an 8% increase, increase. Yeah. on what I thought was the peak of the market yeah. when we purchased it. So um, you also need to look at individual asset basis, right? Because exactly. Paddington is a suburb, the median price would have come down in Paddington for sure. Yes. But there's, there's usually a free few contributors to that. Stock gets tighter. The, the top end of the marketplace stops trading. It becomes slower. That's right. It all depends what's trading. Exactly. If the and bottom end starts trading, or, you know, it's going to skew gonna dra- the median. It's going to drag the median down, isn't it? Exactly. So that's the thing we have to be conscious of. Yeah. Um, but I, I think even on the macro, 13% decrease. On yeah, that's across Sydney. 30 to 40% percent increase overall yeah, it's is, uh, is, not, is, is not that dire. No, it's not. You know, and I look at my own portfolio as well, and I'm probably down 5%, 4 to 5% on, on the peak. And that's mm. across, you know, I've got properties across three states. Um, so, you know, after it boomed so much, I'm like, well, net, I'm still well up on exactly. where, we were, where I was three years ago. Mm. Um, you know, Melbourne's down 9.3%, and, you know, Brisbane's down 4.7%. Um, and, you know, it's interesting now, the median price, we talk about medians in Sydney, has actually now dropped below a million bucks. It's on sale. It's on sale, 999 just like $9.99, but a bit more, 999000 You know, Melbourne, 746 and Brisbane, 698 Um So quite interesting. So nationally, across the capitals only, if we factor in all the other capitals, you know, they dropped 1.1% in, uh, in December brings the annual down to 8.7%. And the median across the national capital cities across the country, 763,000. So, you know, when people say Australian property market is expensive, well, not every city, capital city in Australia is expensive when the median is sitting at 763. Exactly. And I think it's relative as well to the people living in those places. Yeah, and, right? and you know, what you earn in, in those places, you know. so you And know. what you value as well. Yeah. Like, like people I know in Sydney value lifestyle. Like people who mm. live within 10 kilometers of Sydney CBD, the reason they live here is because they value lifestyle more than anything else. Whereas, you know, where I grew up, people valued space that's right yeah you know they valued acreage they valued you know that was the lifestyle that that they wanted and naturally there was a cost disparity between the two of them so Mm. um although it's somewhat expensive and a million dollars as the median as we know in in sydney city itself buys you very little maybe a Mm. studio or one better um it's relative to the people who who live in those locations and these are total dwellings so this Mm. is picking up houses and units and everything in between mate it's uh it's it's, it's extremely interesting um what are you seeing on the ground out in the marketplace at the moment frank from from the properties that you know we're, we're buying for clients Looks still very busy you know it's quite interesting you know january um you know a lot of people had open for inspections you know and a, and a lot of um you know our colleagues and real estate agents that we know posting you know a huge lines and you know had to question a couple of them uh, you know i know one in my local area i said is, is that for a rental or is that for a sale because we know rentals are uh you know there's a there's a dire situation in regards to vacancy mm. rates and you know they are getting queues of a couple of hundred people just to inspect a rental and they're coming back saying no this is for sales um so it's going to be interesting february because as we know the the real estate market doesn't really open till post australia day mm. uh you know that was only what a week or two ago um but you know it would it's been positive so you know it's going to be interesting the february figures as, as you know as we go through this month I agree, and mate, I was in the inner west over the weekend, and it was the same thing. Mm. I took a video of it was at the front of this um, two and a half, three bed little freestanding house opposite a park in uh, in Petersham, and mate, I rocked up there, and uh, no, 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 
word of a lie, probably 50 to 60 people at wow. the front of this place. And I thought, fuck me. Was... <laughs> and mate, I went, I went along with the camera and took a video yeah. and mate, I went off on TikTok and I put it on LinkedIn <laughs> and a lot of people said the same thing. Oh, this is for a rental. And I was like, mate, it's, this, is, for this is for a purchase. And that, that gets us onto our next topic about rentals, Frank. Yes. And I did a story with the AFR yesterday and, and it'll be on the, the front cover of the, the weekend AFR tomorrow, um, or if that's for Saturday, about the, the rental crisis as they're mm. calling it and, and how competitive the rental market is. And um, one of the big reasons for this is affordability one to, to, to purchase, both from a price standpoint and then a cash flow standpoint, right? If if people want to live in a certain style of property and you know, let's just say that property is $1 million at like the average media or the median for Sydney, yep. and they're paying 5% interest, like it's 50 grand a year just in interest repayments if you borrow 100%. Mm. So that's driving people away from buying. People who are a little bit more conservative maybe mm. or don't have the position, they're then going, okay, well, let's not purchase. Let's so go into a rental. have to rent. That's the only other option, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, which is pushing more more people into that segment of the marketplace. Um, and then you know, on top of that, we've got a lot of rental properties being removed from the market, which people are moving back into, mm. um, which is obviously removing rental stock. And then we've now got immigration coming back into Australia, which That's is true. obviously driving competition for, for rentals. We've got a low amount of building approvals and a, a low amount of new stock coming to the market, which means, again, it's putting pressure on it. Um, and I think all of these things uh, is what's adding to the overall you know, rental situation. But something that I find really interesting is it's not across the board. Just like property prices decreasing is not across the board, yeah. the, the rental competitiveness of the marketplace is also not across the board. So I personally just got myself a new rental, yeah. my rent vest, and uh, moved from Fairlight to, to Darling Point. And you know, again, this is relative, but I would say the sub $1,000 a week market, crazy. Because that's mm. the majority of the pot. Of course, yes. But you know, I, I looked at something between a thousand and two thousand dollars a week, yeah. and I went to multiple properties, and none of them had applications on them. So, okay. you know, I was the only application on the property that I just took up. Yeah. I negotiated it down about ten percent, so just over a hundred dollars mm. a week from the asking price. I applied for a few in Walsh Bay, which is another location that I was interested in living in and no applications on any of those mm. properties. So it was interesting for me because I expect to fuck, it's going to take me forever. I'm going to have to yeah. compete with all these people. From to, what you see on the media, that's what yeah, you expect, I'll right? I'll have to lean on some relationships that <laughs> I have to be able to get into something. But mate, like it was very simple. I applied yeah. for the one that I wanted and... So what you're saying is, you know, we talk about, you know, affordability of not being able to buy, you know, post boom. Um, but there's also that affordability in rentals as well. Like you said, post, you know, uh, under $1,000 a week, manic, you mm. know. Start getting to one thousand to two thousand, affordability starts to kick in there. And then I've spoken yeah. to a few rental agents again with houses, more premium houses. You know, maybe talking two and a half to five thousand dollars mm. a week, and for some people that's not relative, but for a portion of the population it is. And the same thing, extremely slow at that at that end of the market. Whereas two years ago, that end of the marketplace was so hot because people couldn't find something to buy. Yeah. So what was happening was in the in the top end of the market and I'm assuming this is probably happening in the bottom end too, is people were selling and then going, fuck, we can't find something to buy. We've got an incredible price for our property. But and then they're being forced into rentals. And uh, you know, at the upper end of the market, there was a huge lack of houses available and the people were paying huge money for it. Well, that's completely changed now because there's less FOMO in that marketplace for yeah. the, the owner-occupiers who were looking to buy. Um, so they can take their time more. They're not selling before they buy. They're buying before they sell. Um, and you know that that's obviously causing a, a softer 
mm. rental market yeah. at that top end. And it comes back to too, the you know the inflation is at record highs, the cost of living. You know, going to the grocery store, supermarket, it's more expensive than it was. You know, coffees are hitting five bucks, and you know, so you know, rental prices are going to have. You an just impact bought as well. two coffees. Yeah, Frank. yeah is, it, is everything right. okay? It's all right, mate. I splurge for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, in regards to uh, well, another thing I'd like to touch on too is. You know, when when we're in a boom period, you've got investors who have been holding property for, you know, 10, 15, 20, some of them 30 years. And obviously the best time to sell a property is during a boom. Mm, um, especially so, property that's not very good. Yeah, yes. But even for these ones that are good and they're getting top price, um, if a if if a um, owner-occupier comes and buys that property and these people were investors, that's an investment property that's now off the market. That's mm. one less investment property there to house a renter and you know you you know times that by a thousand to ten to ten thousand suddenly you've got all these properties that had been a, an investment property for the last 10 15 20 years now they're suddenly an owner occupied property not the that tenant has to find a new rental and and there's obviously one less in the pool so you know and like I said, that one less turns into ten thousand less. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it's a less less supply of rental stock, and that's what we're seeing here now. And look, during during my time of invest, uh, investing, I've seen this before. Like I've seen the booms and the declining periods of, um, you know, property prices. I've seen this before in regards to vacancy crisis, and then other times, you know, uh, the vacancy rates are super high. And it's in the tenant's favor and they're getting really great rents. And it's all part of this, the cycles that we, we talk about. And, you know, we're just now going through the cycle for rents, you know. On exactly. The, you know, and, and from this, investors who are holding these rental properties are now starting to get back some of the, the yields that they had lost previously. Mm. So it's all, it's all swings and roundabouts, as we say. And that was the the, the, the comments that I made in, in this article that will come out tomorrow was around, you know, the reporter was asking me, well, as I'm an investor and a, and a renter, mm. um, as a landlord, how are you, you know, how are you enjoying or, or, or what impact are the rental increases having? And I said, the funny thing is the majority of our tenants are locked in for 12 months. That's right. So I personally, I haven't felt any increases. So there's mm. been all this media around rental increases on the mine rest are the, of it. Mine are the same. Uh, you know, mine don't come up for it till mid-year. It seems that I, I locked in a lot of my rents as they just happened to come in, up mm. um, in, you know, April and May last year. And the rentals really started going berserk from June, July onwards. Exactly. So then you wait, you know, for the... You've got to wait 12 months. Exactly. And in, in the meantime, interest rates have been going up. Um, and it's not like you can put up your rent to cover your interest repayments anyway. No, you well, can only a lot of my up, repayments have doubled from what they mm, were. And, and you can and, only put up what the market can, the rental market can take. Exactly. And and you just got your land tax bill. Everyone's starting to get theirs. Yeah. I got my <laughs> land tax bill. And that's the other thing, right? It's not just interest rate increases. That's right. Now, because we've had a significant amount of growth, and this is not a poor me story, but it's just a thing you have to think well, your about. your land tax has gone up as well. Because yeah, the value of your property's gone up, the yeah. value of the land's gone up. Yeah. I sat down with a, a, a independent valuer yesterday for breakfast, working on a few things that we're we're doing internally and he was saying what he's getting now is a lot of people coming to him and they're saying i got my fucking land tax bill this year <laughs> and it's incredible but i don't believe my land value is this high so yeah. now they're challenging yeah well, the valuer general to say well what you're saying my land is worth it's not and they're trying to decrease their you know decrease their, their, their taxable land value and you know it's all part of 
you know, being investing. An investor, as investors, we know we're getting into that. We know we're going to buy, you know, several properties in, in one state. But what was your land tax bill? Were you saying it was about 25 grand, right? 25 grand on my total portfolio. Actually, not on my total portfolio, just on my New South Wales holdings. <laughs> I'm yet to get uh, any from Brisbane and Victoria yet. You know, and that, that's a significant amount of money, right? Yeah. But then you look at that in relativity, like I we're look at it in about. relation to how much, the, you know, the, the estimated properties have gone up in value. And at the end of the day, I'm happy with that, you know. And yes, the land tax is 25,000 is a lot of money, but... You know, if, you know, we've got tax refunds uh, coming in from you know having those properties. Uh, like I said, the the properties are increasing in in value substantially has allowed you know my equity to grow and for mm. me to access that should I want to. Um, and at the end of the day, the land tax is a very in a percentage basis is a very small percentage. It's a holding cost of holding those properties long term, and it's a very small percentage if you look at it in the scheme of things of the value of the properties. Exactly so. right. So it's all about net numbers, like we spoke about. It is yes. Not uh, not, not focusing on individual numbers, you know. And I think before we get on to uh, the next thing, we obviously we, we talk every week. This podcast comes out every week. People seeing the media every single day and what's happening. And it's very easy to get caught up in the micro, right? At oh, the, we easy. live in a microscope, but then we look at data a lot of the time through yeah. a macroscope, right? And we talk about long-term metrics and um, you just need to remind yourself sometimes that, you know, you need to zoom out because it's very easy to get caught up in, oh, you know, being reactive, what's happening here, what's happening there, information, this overload, you know, anxiety, stress, mm. um, should I be buying, should I not be buying? But when we zoom out, and we, we like to talk about 10, 15, 20, 30 year growth rates, the line never is, is, is consistently moving upwards, right? We, it looks like a, a looks mountain like a, from a distance. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's going up and down. And the ups and downs on a macro level don't look very big because they're not. But those ups and downs when you're in them mm. emotionally feel like, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it can it, be very stressful. And like in the boom time, you know, you know it's like you want to, uh, you know, yeah, it was funny. Like during the boom, the news was bringing out articles of how much you know if you held a million dollar property, how much you were making per day. Now, <laughs> you know, we always talk about yeah, investors make money during their sleep, um, but you can't. It's not the stock market. You can't uh, value a property like you value a share on a daily basis. I mean, shares get valued by the second between ten a.m. and four p.m. Monday to Friday on the stock market. You can't value your property. On a, on a daily and weekly, you shouldn't even be valuing it, trying to value it on a monthly basis. One hundred percent. The minimum should be, you know, every every yeah. year, get exactly. a valuation done on an annual basis and go from there. But it's so funny that you know because we're seeing it on the news every day, we're like, well, how much did I make last night? <laughs> you know, how much did I make yesterday or last week or last month? If only properties pay dividends, right? It's well, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they pay rental income, but if properties pay dividends and you usually dividends are paid on you know the overall profit of a business. The last couple of years, the dividends would have been pretty strong. <laughs> um, the 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 last thing I'd like to, to touch on that is the 12-month the valuation. So we had a client um, email me the other day saying, hey, Jack, purchased they purchased in uh, October of 21, mm. uh, a house in Mayfield, Newcastle. We paid $810,000. He said, hey, mate, um, I'd love to know what my property's worth now. So obviously, I got in contact with our broker. I said, Jordan, mate, make a, uh, do a, uh, an independent val on this it's a desktop val through one of the big four he went to cba put it in and i think that the client was expecting the value to come back the same or less okay um you know because you think 21 to peak of the market that's what you're yeah. seeing in the media it's now 20 start of 23 so it's been about 15 ish months um and jordan said to me what do you think it's worth I said it's probably worth nine to 950 i would say so he put the the number in nine 
what was he at 900 he put into his in like into the valex system yeah, yeah you got to put it bang popped it nine hundred and sixty thousand dollars that the independent valuation coming from a bank which means that's what you can borrow against mm-hmm. so um, up from what 850 810 810 wow 810 yeah. in two and that comes late, back to what you were 21. saying it, it all depends on the individual it's asset. the asset right you know, so it's location 962,000 was the exact number it come back at. So I went back to that client. I said, mate, great. It was about 15% growth in 15 months. Yeah. Not bad, 1% a month. But when you look at the macro numbers, you know, the micro numbers, it's yeah. like, oh, it's, we're, negative, we're negative, we're negative, we're negative. So, you know, I think it's it's about that, right? And then if I, if I was in that client's position, what I'd be doing now is going back to the bank, leveraging that valuation, pulling out that equity at that val, whether I use it or not, I'd be putting in an offset because... They've given True. you the money to be able to do it, and then assessing my my situation in the current market because to buy into that eight hundred and ten thousand dollar asset, he would have needed one hundred and sixty grand, say twenty percent deposit. Mm. He's also now made one hundred and fifty grand in equity uplift. So if he put in twenty percent and he's just made one hundred and fifty, it's essentially a hundred percent cash on cash return within fifteen months. Yeah. Um, so you're virtually pulling out the whole deposit that you put into the property. So now you're into that deal for zero. Mm. And now if you're into something for zero, whether that goes up, down, sideways, it actually doesn't matter because yeah, it's not costing right. you anything. Yeah. And then imagine you take that one step further, which is what we're doing a lot of at the moment is manufacturing yield. So buying mm. property that has, you know, in a blue chip location may have a normal gross yield of three and a half to four and a half percent. We get something with a second dwelling or the ability to add it. It's got five and a half to six percent yield. So you pull out all your equity out of that deal. You've got a cash flow machine that's paying for itself. Yeah. So it's costing you nothing to hold. You've got no money in the deal. And now all of a sudden every bit of gain that you make is one hundred percent profit. Mm. And that's how we, you know, we think about it like a business when, yeah. when you're investing. Fantastic. Um so yeah, I've got some rent numbers here, just touching back on the rent. So um now interesting. So in regards to a range. Uh, anything under 1% is considered a very low vacancy rate and anything, mm. let's say, from 1% to 2% is considered is considered low. Um, and obviously, you know, 3% and under is, is desired. Now, in this time, we know they are... Well, the national rate is actually 1.3%, so that's low. And that's down from 12 months ago, it was 1.9%. Mm. So we can see they're really low. Um, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney's at 1.8. Melbourne's 1.7. Brisbane's 1.1. They're all low. And then if I look at Perth, Adelaide, and Hobart, they are all under 1%, they're 0.8, 0.9, so they're very low. So across the nation, 1.3%, you know, this uh, rental vacancy crisis, as they're calling it, is not, um, you know, just in Sydney um, or Melbourne or Brisbane, it's across the nation. So It is, yeah. And I think... Um with with those numbers, you know, I remember Sydney usually hovering somewhere between three to four mm. percent of, of of you know at a vacancy rate, um, and it's it's important to when you're looking at investing in certain locations not to look at these numbers just in isolation, right? Because no. vacancy rate is a big thing. You want to make sure you're investing in a location with a low vacancy, so you've always got tenants. Um, but if you just look at a 12-month number or a two-year yeah, number. And they definitely vary from suburb to suburb. Of course, but you, I, I like to look at it maybe over a longer term. So what's yes. the 10-year or 20-year average been? 20-year for that rental might be a bit far a bit because far, the population's yeah. growing, but you know, you've got a five to 10-year average and then work it out and go, okay, what's the average? If we didn't have crazy times like we've had, what's yeah. it likely to return back to? Um, and you know, then you make a decision based on that. But 1.3% essentially means 98.7% of rental properties are rented and the 1.3% that aren't rented are probably overpriced or not livable. That's right. And so, you know, 
lack of supply, high demand, this is what's driving up the prices, as we always say. Mate, exactly right. Now, Frankie, as we always do, our tradition is to wrap up with an investing tip. And one of the biggest things holding investors back at the moment who are wanting to take advantage of the market is serviceability. Yes. So we thought we'd, we'd, we'd do a tip that a lot of people will know, but some people don't until they speak with their broker if they're educated. And then it's around decreasing your credit card limits. Yes. Um, and it's as quite much a, as you can to maximize servicing. Yeah, it's quite an interesting one because it's, especially with, you know, when we've had eight interest rate rises in a row in eight months and soon to be nine next week, um, this is quite an easy thing to do. You know, we're, we've spoken to some of our clients who, you know, we said, you know, okay, so borrowing's getting a bit tight or your borrowing capacity is reducing as these interest rates have gone up over time. Um, and, you know, and, and we don't give financial advice, but, you know, one of the things we know just through experience and, you know, relationships we have with brokers is how many credit cards do you have? So it might be a husband and wife and, and they say, well, um, husband has one, uh, has one for, you know, $10,000 with a $10,000 limit on it. Wife has another one with $10,000 limit on it. Now, from speaking to the brokers, we know that for every credit card you have with a $10,000 limit, that is reducing your borrowing capacity by somewhere between 40 and 50 grand. Mm. So, you know, we, what we said to these people is, okay, do you really need them? And they said, well, no, the, you know, one of them really even gets used. We, you know, we, we just signed up for it to get the Qantas freaking flyer points that they were offering at the time. Free trip to Bali. You know, and, um, but we really don't use it because we don't spend 20 grand a month and that's the interesting thing is that the banks will assess you as if for every credit card you have with 10 grand that you are going to spend 10 grand every mm. month um, so what we said to them is okay get rid of one of them um, at, for, for 10 grand that's going to increase your borrowing capacity by 40 to 50 grand and with the other one reduce it from 10 grand to five there's another 20 grand you've now increased your borrowing capacity by circa 60 to 70 grand that's just right. as simple as that and once you've got the loan you can increase the other one back from five to 10 and probably reapply for the other one and, and probably get it. You definitely get it. They give you personal loans <laughs> and credit cards easier than so they give you anything it's else. It's such an easy thing to do. Just reduce your credit card limits from 10 to five. Some people have limits of 15 and 20. Reduce them to the minimum you, you need. Um, get rid of the ones you're not using get your broker or your bank manager to run those through the figures and suddenly you've gotten back the last three or four interest rate rises where, they, right. where you where you lost 50 to 70 grand of borrowing capacity you've now got it back exactly and right. it doesn't affect your life at all not one little bit i think it's gold so that's a, that's a, i think a, a very good tip that's right frankie uh like we said next week interest rating big week, big week next week looking big forward to it week. frankie loves coming into the office on an interest rate week <laughs> yes. he turns the tv on and just sit, gets yeah. everyone have we got around. a tip are we going to tip it we're going to try and forecast what it is mate my forecast is uh is, is an increase inflation numbers are up who knows what that number will look like yeah. from an increased position but um mate i think everyone's expecting it right i think the minimum has to be 0.25 I think they should actually go, you know, hard and go point. What's the use of going 0.25 in Feb and then another 0.25 in March? Um, just go 0.5 now. It's just straight up the guts you here. Know, rip the Band-Aid off, as I say. I don't think they will based on, you know, the RBA only yesterday, I think, came out with a bit of an, uh, you know, a, a, an announcement that they think inflation will start to fall, mm. which you'd hope so after what will be nine rate rises um so it's probably more than likely going to be 0.25 but you know i like to you know go out with a bit of a you know like a bullish to, you like to pr mentally prepare for half a percent <laughs> yeah that's right that's right so anyway let's see we'll wait till next week
Mate, 100%. And uh, if you're enjoying the podcast as well, please go on and follow it so you get the notifications when uh, when we launch them. Obviously, leave uh, a comment on there as well to, to give us feedback as to what you're liking and what you're disliking. And if you've got any recommendations, share yeah. them as well. Anything you'd like us to discuss. That's it. Frankie solving the world problems. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Till next week. Thank you.